Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Jonathan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes. Now, full disclosure, we're recording this before the new year, so... Because you're going to be in Israel. I am. So I will be in Israel for the new year, and this... Mazel tov. And this episode should drop on January 3rd, I believe, and I will still be in Israel getting ready to come home, but not interested in trying to record a podcast at weird time zones and not necessarily reliable Wi-Fi. And when I'm really supposed to be on a tour of Israel, I don't want to, I don't want to record. So you were kind enough to let us do this. Thankfully, it's not a time sensitive episode that we do. It's one that can be done in advance. Exactly. So it worked out well. You planned well this time. Yes. We're not, we're not having to do the uh, the Jap- Japanese hijinks that we had whenever you went to Japan. Yes. Have we told, have we, we've told people about that. Have we talked about that yeah. on the podcast, what we did? Not really. Not really. Yes. This was one of your more impressive editing work. work yes. Yeah. Where, did you start it? I think you did it. Like you looked through all the news. Twice. Right. Yeah. You looked through all the news. You recorded your thoughts on it, on them. The, the, and the setups to you. Right. And then I listened and then would react and record it. Yes. And so it was like a conversation. And then I guess if you had anything to, to throw in, I should go back and listen to those. Now, now this makes me want to go back and listen and see if I can tell, you know, but you, there's you a little less banter. A little right. less back and forth. And right. That's about it. Right. But we don't have to do that this time. We just record it in advance because yes. we're not, you know, trying to do. So please, let's hope for no big news next week. And if, and if so, it'll be a special so. edition with me. With you. Just <laughs> here I am, folks, just going to deliver the news straight and narrow. And then here we go. So, but anyway, happy new year. Uh, Here we are. It's, it's, uh, we're moving into 2020. Yes, we are. In our fifth year of podcasting here, we'll, we'll complete five years in May, which blows my mind. That blows my mind as well. But 250 episodes almost. Yes. Almost there. That's crazy. All right. So every year we do our 10 questions for the year and then we recap them at the end of the year. You can go back and listen to last year's. 2019 recap in the previous episode, episode 248, that has the the information for our 2019 questions and answers. So this time, we're just going to throw out the questions, discuss the questions, why we think it's an important topic, why we're asking the question, but we're not going to answer it. Right. Because we can't, because they're future-based and they yes. kind of, we could give what our predictions were, but we're not in the predicting game. Right. And what we, what we always see, what we saw last Uh, what we saw this past time is that out of 10 questions, we usually hit one or two that end up being really big deals. You know, we had a couple of them last week, one that really personally affected the two of us, the one about entity head changes. Um, We're both in new jobs now because of, of those changes. I'm in a new house because of those changes. Yes. So usually we, we have a draft list of questions that we whittle down from. Right. So we'll have 20 questions or something and we'll whittle That's them right. down to That's 10. Right. Last year, I found the draft and one of the questions was, where will Jonathan be working in 2020? Wow. That's really funny. That's right. Because we do have Didn't a few that are that. kind of funny. We, yeah. which Because yeah. I knew Dr. Rayner had left and my right. future was still kind of right. up in the air. That's right. What is interesting, Keith and I were just talking about this, that 
because of some of the changes that happened for me that we're living in a, a different house now, in part because we've now moved into the house that Jamie and Tara do were living in because it's very close to Southeastern's campus, close to Drew's school. But that's because they went to New Orleans Seminary. So didn't anticipate that. And just last year, we were talking about the renovation plans for our other house and all that we were going to do and never expected, you know, to be here. So the conversations we have today could look totally different a year from now. So one thing we noticed in those questions is we're going to throw out 10 here. And, you know, we may have two or three that we just hit it on the nose. Those are going to be the issues of 2020. And there may be two or three here that we throw it out. It seems like a big deal now, but Swing and a miss. nobody cares come December. So it, it'll, it will be interesting to see. But right now on our minds, uh, these seem to be the things that going into 2020, we are wondering about the most. Yeah. And if we miss something that you think should be included, hit us up on Twitter. Right. Or if you have answers that you think, you know, predictions that you think may happen for the year. Do the same. Hit us up on Twitter at SBC this week. Yes. All right, Amy, I'm going to ask you the first one and let you explain it, and then we'll just alternate. makes it easy. Okay. So, ladies first. Number one, how will American politics affect the SBC in 2020? Ha. Gave you the easy one. Yeah. Boy, um, this is a huge question, particularly as we move into a presidential election year in the United States. And one that I would say is certainly more polarized than it's ever been in my lifetime. I can remember the 2000 election between Bush and Gore and thought it has never felt this polarized and I can't imagine it feeling this polarized, but boy, I had no idea what it could be like 20 years later. And so we're in a a very divided sort of national landscape and The SBC feels that, you know, as we watch the primary season on the Democratic side, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of Southern Baptists get involved in watching those debates. I'm going to tell you right now, I have not watched a single primary debate. Same. Because I just I just can't like it's just too. Well, I fundamentally disagree with everything they're saying. Right. I'm not I'm, I'm not looking for them to answer any questions for me. And so. All of the thing, a lot of things that they're saying, and then all of the back and forth and the divisiveness on those stages are just, they just get me frustrated. So I, I don't typically watch the primary debates at this time, but some people do, and that's fine. That's, uh, that's, that's fine if, if people like to do that. And so that can kind of get people worked up. But we certainly have a current president that sparks, I'll just say it this way, sparks a lot of conversation. <laughs> And there's a a real divided perspective on how to approach his presidency, even within uh, the SBC. Uh, And so I think going into a presidential election year with folks trying to figure out how to navigate this, how to talk about it, how to talk about it with their neighbors, how to talk about it with each other. I don't know how it's going to affect the SBC. Perhaps there will be some things that will bring folks together more. Perhaps there are going to be some things that will... Uh, drive some wedges. I don't know. I can tell you this will be part of our story in 2020, I think. But how it will affect us, I don't know. So mm. uh, that'll be yeah. something to answer. Well, I think you could also make the argument that we're still living through the after effects of 2016. Sure. I think you're right. Yes. And yeah. certainly we have to realize we're in a very historic time right now with the impeachment 
situation. And that's very rare. It's only really only been something that the country's gone through. What this would be the fourth time, although Nixon was never actually impeached, he resigned before he was impeached. Yeah. But in terms of impeachment hearings and and investigations and things like this, this is the fourth time in our nation's history. And so there's a lot of tension surrounding that. And that is, is something that's tough for people to know how to talk about, how to navigate. So as you said, we're, we're still living in the aftermath of 2016. And then going into 2020, it definitely will have an impact. Absolutely. All right. So let's go to number two. Will we see more diverse first chair leaders? We put this question in there because we, we saw a lot of leadership change at the first chair last year, but diversity wasn't really anything that we saw out of that. So just watching that to see if if we'll start seeing that change. We mentioned it on the, the episode last week. We've seen an increase in diversity at a lot of different levels, but not this first chair leadership level. Right. So uh, that entity head, state executive director, those kind of roles, we just haven't seen that yet. We've seen it for elected positions even. President, uh, state conventions, the uh, national president, you know, Fred Luter a few years ago. We've seen uh, the last four years or so of all the vice presidents. We just haven't seen it, though, on that first chair. So Right. One, one thing I think waiting. is happening, and we know this, a lot of times, you know, first chair leaders come from people who have pretty lengthy experience mm-hmm. and have built uh, some extensive networks. And one of the things that studies in the past that the executive committee has done, as, as I mentioned last week, there was one in 2011, one in 2015, part of taking steps toward that has been uh, committee appointments, building more diverse networks, and then people, uh, and then having more diverse people at all levels so that, you know, experience actually begins to happen. And so we are seeing some of those first chair leaders have been putting, have been having more diverse hires and things like that. So Hopefully, we'll see, you know, kind of continued movement that as networks build and as networks don't look the same as they maybe did always, or as more people are are getting more experience within the Southern Baptist Convention, we're going to see that. Uh, But it certainly is will be interesting. And I'm going to guess this question will continue to be on our list every year as the SBC has been asking this question for the last 10 years. Absolutely. We got a couple of first year leadership openings still out there. Don't forget, South Dakota, as well as West Virginia, both still lacking in state executive directors. Garvin Golden, Bill Hennard, both left their respective posts at those state conventions. So we'll see if anything happens uh, with those two and any others that may come open in the future. I know New Mexico's in a transition time. Joe Bonds won't be leaving until 2021, but he's already announced that he's leaving. So speaking of already announced, Amy, number three. Who else will be nominated for SBC officers in Orlando? We kind of mentioned that last week. Dr. Moeller already kind of announced as presidential candidate for 2020. But uh, who else will be nominated? So uh, that, that'll be a fascinating thing to watch. Yes, as well as the other officer, you know, elections, first vice president, second vice president. Um, we had contested elections for recording secretary and registration secretary. Will we see that, will again? We see that again? You know, we, yeah. we don't know. So that certainly is... Uh, is a question that we'll start we'll start learning the answer to that in the spring. All right. So yep. number four, how will the major launch of GoTo affect sending numbers in coming years? Uh, although that's not really a question we could answer at the end of this year. So 
in some ways it's possible. Ha- will, will we, may, we, we may see a surge. Yeah, will we see the this? impact in 2020 of GoTo? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think we'll start seeing the the initial steps of that. I was in a meeting a few months ago over at Lifeway about this uh, with people from around the convention, NAM, the IMB Association, state conventions, all involved in this. What the GoTo future looks like, and and what that program will look like for the Southern Baptist Convention. And I'm convinced that that's the pipeline that we need to be building for church planting, for international missions. The the go-to program is that pipeline that we really haven't had. And I think some of the reason that we're seeing a bit of this decline, or even maybe not even a decline, but just kind of a plateau in our growth uh, from church planting as well as international missions is we don't have that pipeline training people outside of the seminary system. So we have the seminary system, which is great. Don't hear me say that's not a good thing. Uh, but we don't have the the practical pipeline like go to where they're getting the practical experience along with the theological that they get at the seminary. Well, and this is not just about training. This is about no. it, it's about calling out the called. I mean, I think it's about yeah. reigniting uh, something, particularly with young people, and saying, "Would you consider if ministry and missions is, is where the Lord is leading you, even even through your your career yeah. path?" Um, that you leverage your career for missions. Yeah. And, and and it doesn't have to be vocational ministry or missions. It could be volunteer on the side of whatever you're doing right. You know, during your quote-unquote day job. Right. So you're a teacher, but you're teaching in a place that you're specifically there to help plant a church right. you know, in, as a volunteer. Right. And lay leader. Yeah. So it's it really is beginning to pursue calling people out, you know, to, to join this mission. I love... The, the Facebook Live that J.D. Greer and Paul Chitwood did a couple of weeks ago, there was a sentence that President Greer said. He said, what if this was the greatest sending chapter that Southern Baptists ever had? And I just, mm. I loved that question. So, um, so, yeah, I think that's a huge question for this year and really should be one of our primary questions that we look back and say, okay, we launched this. Where are we now? All right. Number five, will we see any recommendations for disfellowship from the credentials committee? So, Amy, I think we need just a a brief reminder to people of why you don't hear stuff from the credentials committee all the time. Right, because the credentials committee has been tasked to uh, look at questions of cooperation. There is not anything that they can do other than make recommendations based on that to the executive committee or to the messengers, depending on when the question arises, that would recommend disfellowship of a church. So one reason that we don't hear is because they can't actually take that action. Only the executive committee or the messengers can take that action, which happens in February for the EC, June for the EC or the annual meeting, and September for the EC. So any information about that would come around those times. And I think this is a question that we see sort of pop up that with this new committee, as it is something people are still kind of trying to to figure out, and it was a lengthy bylaw and folks sort of trying to understand it, um, certainly people are wondering, will we see any recommendations? Now, something that's interesting and helpful, you know, to remember is if you go back and look in the executive committee minutes from the past, I mean, there have been maybe every couple of years a time where the executive committee does disfellowship a church for different reasons. That already has happened a few times in the last decade, but this is now a different process. And with the submission portal, 
greater awareness has has really come around this question. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's that's a, a question. One thing that also happened, and we've seen this over the last year, is that a couple of churches that were maybe involved in this process actually chose to leave the SBC. That could happen at any point as well yeah. in, in this process. But I certainly think that's a question that's on a lot of people's minds, uh, both inside and, and some you know observers outside the SBC. All right. Now, next question for you. What will be the outcome of the Baptism Sunday initiatives President Greer is promoting? I think we're going to see maybe not an uptick in baptisms. I think it may be too soon to see that already uh, with the Hoosier One and the Baptism Sundays and all that going on. I do think that we may see a slower decline and maybe a, a bottoming out of, you know, where we hit that plateau at the bottom. Well, and I think a huge question would be, too, is depending on the the next president, does that initiative Carry continue? Yeah. Because if you only do it a couple of times, then, you know, it doesn't catch on. But yeah. after a little while, people start to remember the date and, you know, things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think that would be an interesting question as well. But I, I'm certainly yeah. curious about learning what our baptism numbers are this year and how mm-hmm. that is statistically, you know, working out. Yeah, I, I think anything we do to try to promote evangelism and make it intentional in the lives of our churches and the lives of our church members. I'm hoping that that would be, a, we'd reap some rewards from that. So right. that, that's a, that's a good thing. So number seven, what will be the impact of Lifeway's new retail strategy? That's a, that's a big question I know for Lifeway as well, not sure. just for you and I. Sure. Huge question. I would love to see that sort of divided out. What's the impact of the online strategy and what's the impact of these sort of sections in Major retail oh, yeah. stores, you know, authorized where, dealer program. Right, right. So I would be curious to see how each of these aspects of the retail strategy work, and then how they sort of work, you know, together. I'm very curious, and I'm looking forward to the end of the year when we answer this question. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, yeah. All right, will we break two hundred million dollars in national CP receipts this budget year? That's a rollover question from last year. We're going to keep yeah. asking that a until few we of these do it. Questions. Our rollovers. Yes. This will be fascinating to track, Amy, because you and I, we're, we're tracking this one now as part of our L- job. Yeah, a little more internally, um, I, we're tracking. Every yeah. month. You know, I've, I get to write this story every month, the, the CP story. Right. Something I've been tracking forever. That's something that's on like my to-do list every month is to write the CP why story. Do, why do you not assign this one to me, Jonathan? Because I like doing it. And it's math. Uh, that's I what I was better. waiting for. Never hand me the math stories. <laughs> yes. So that's something that I, I think we're all interested in watching. Right. And uh, with with Willie McLaurin coming on at the executive committee, uh, really being in charge of that cooperative program area section promotion for the executive committee to help work with the states, to help promote it in their states, his role will be integral in the answering of this question. I think it may be too early to see this, but I think in two, three, four years, I think that's where we'll see the okay. kind of the things roll up. Because budget decisions – Things take time. So, you know, you, you, it's hard for a church to go from, say, $20,000 in cooperative program giving to 100000 Right. Uh, most churches. Some churches could do it and not even miss a beat and no big deal. But some, not so much. So yes. we'll see. We'll, we'll get there, I think. So number nine, will the Annie Armstrong Easter offering hit another record high? Another giving question here, Amy. Man, I hope so. I really want to see that. Again. I've said this on the podcast several times that I reason I think that Annie Armstrong keeps climbing is that everybody understands the North American Mission Board's strategy 
They can right. get behind it. They can understand it. They can give to it because it's so clear. We're planning churches. We're doing relief work. Yes. Pretty straightforward. And they've added revitalization and some other things in there too and uh, the replanting aspect and things like that. But right. they're very clear about their messaging, very clear about what the money's going to and that helps when you're looking at trying to increase giving. All right, last question. Will we hit 10,000 messengers in Orlando? All right, I'm going to go out on a limb on this one. I'm actually going to give a prediction on this one. Absolutely, we will. Oh, yes. Hit 10,000 messengers. We're going to hit 10,000. Hands looking, down. Yes, I've been looking for this for a long time. We will definitely hit 10,000 messengers this year. I'm shooting for 12. If we hit 10,000 messengers, Amy, I'll shave my head. Okay, for those of you who have never seen Jonathan... He already shaves his head, so that's yes. that doesn't mean anything. But so if we hit ten thousand, Amy will no. I nope, can't, can't not even that. close. <laughs> so no, I I yeah, we will hit ten thousand messengers. I am now. My new goal is for us to hit twelve. So I'm hoping for fifteen. I don't oh, know I would love 12. to see fifteen. I would love to see fifteen. That's people getting engaged in the process. I think that would be awesome. Another one that we have to think of, Amy. Now that we work at the executive committee, if we have 15,000 show up, that's 15,000 people that we have to handle uh, as part of our team. So and aren't uh, maybe we, I should just back and, it down And to aren't we glad to do that? We want we to do that. We are absolutely yes, glad to do we're that. We're here to serve. And, and more importantly, more importantly I, we talk a lot about messengers. And more importantly, I want to see more churches involved. Yes. Last year, 37, 3,800 churches involved in the annual meeting. Let's get 4,000. I want to see that at 5,000. Oh, 5,000. 5,000. Let's get it at 5,000. 4,000, 4, man. 4,000 is easy. We'll have okay, that one. We'll okay. have no problems this year. All right. 5,000. 5,000. 5,000. Because 5,000 means 10,000 messengers pretty much every year. Right. Because we average a 2.2 or so messengers per church. Right. So if we can get that church up to 5,000, that means we're pushing 11,000 every year. So I did the math in my head, Amy. Oh, nice. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. But but that's where we are. I mean, in, in the more churches engaged, I mean, we have 47,000 churches, 50,000 plus congregations. Right. If we can get 5,000 churches, and we should at least have 10%, 4,700 coming to the annual meeting, I would think. Yes. I'd love to see that number be at 15, 20%, but, you know, we'll see. That's something to shoot for, and we'll definitely have the answer to that at the end of the year. So. Yes, we will. we'll have that answer like early on, like right. June. Right. So, so registration opens, you know, when registration opens, Amy. February 1st. Absolutely. That's right. February 1st. You got it on your first try. We'll be sending out some emails in January from the executive committee, getting everybody ready. You and I are working on a project for the annual meeting, uh, some messenger orientation. Yes. Some video courses for people that may not know, maybe it's their first time coming to Orlando. Maybe they, they've come all this time and they've always wondered like, how do I make a motion? How do I do a resolution? We're going to give you some training. Yes. So we're working on so a we'll training have portal. That, have that later so, in the spring. So very excited. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. I, I'm ready for Orlando. Actually, you know what? We're heading there in like two weeks, aren't we? Yeah, we so. have a, several from our team headed down there for a site visit. So we will be checking it out and we'll report, you know, we'll report back on that episode yeah. in a couple of weeks and uh, talk about sort of things that we've seen, things we're looking forward to. So Yeah. Now, you went down there in October, right? First part of October. I was down there, I think, in August. Yes. I believe I went down there. Yes. So I've so, already walked around and I, had, I was there with the team from Southeastern. And so now I'll, I'll be here with, be there with our team and have already gotten to see the convention center, which a lot of people have been to that convention center, but just getting to picture mm -hmm. it this time around. So, yeah. 
So we'll be able to go down there this time because the first time I was just kind of trying to take it all in, trying to figure everything out. Now I've got a, kind of my bearings and right. I'll be able to really plan, be able to look at different things. So we're, we're excited about the future, uh, about June and having everybody down there in Orlando, all 15,000 of you. Can't wait. All right. So that's our 10 questions for 2020, Amy. Uh, again, if, if, you're listening and you have an additional question or you have something that you think we may have missed in our questions uh, or some predictions of these that we went over, hit us up on Twitter at SBC this week. And uh, we'll, we'll take a look at those and, you know, interact with you. Maybe we'll get a couple of good ones. We'll maybe mention them next week after Amy gets back from Israel. Absolutely. Well, happy new year, Jonathan. Happy new year. I hope you and your family have a great one. And uh, I will look forward to catching up after we get back. Have fun in Israel. We'll see you uh, actually in Nashville next week. See you next week.